Welcome to the It's Going to Be Good podcast sponsored by Accrue. This is the place where Anna and I talk about how we are growing as individuals and how we're building a firm in a way that is healthy and sustainable. There is always more to learn and we want to share what we have learned and what we are still learning. Today, we're going to talk a lot about that because we are going to do an episode reflecting on this last year. We are closing out 2023 right now and looking ahead to the new year, which means busy season, but it also just means an opportunity to look back, to reflect on this year, to think about the wins, to think about the things that we wish had gone differently, and to kind of project out what we want 2024 to look like. So let's reflect. Yeah. (laughs) We have some questions that we want to start off with. Anna, if you had a word to describe this last year, is there one that comes to mind? A lot is two words, (laughs) but a lot. (laughs) This year was a lot. It was a lot of things. It, I mean, I'm sure every year is a, a, you know, has ups and downs, has, you know, things that are joyful and things that are challenging. This year in particular felt like a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I feel like I should have better words for that. (laughs) No, no. I don't have the best. Why would you think that? But yeah, yeah, it's a real mixed bag of a year for me. Yeah. How, what about you? Yeah, for me, I think it's more like net growth, but the up and down piece is why it's net because I feel what you're talking about. I feel the ups and downs. I feel like I can reflect back on last January and some of the things that we tackled in January, let alone just the rest of the year. It's It's been a lot of a year to use your phrase, but I think the ups and downs that we've experienced still have taken us to a place that feels further than we were last year. And it feels more productive than we were last year. And, and like we are making progress in the direction that we want to, it just doesn't always feel like upward movement. It's up and down, but the overall gain is still there. Yeah. I I've heard it described as kind of being like an upward spiral, And so it's not this linear, like you just, you know, move to the next step and the next step. Something about it being a spiral means sometimes you kind of circle back to where it feels like you were and it doesn't feel like you've made a lot of progress, but you know, as a spiral kind of moves up, you look back like we're doing now at a year and we have made a tremendous amount of progress at a crew. And I think both of us have grown a lot just as human beings, a lot more awareness of yeah. Blind spots, a lot of growth areas, a lot so of growth, growth areas. areas for both of us. But then I think also a lot of growth, you know, when, mm-hmm. when you're aware of an area you need to grow in, you have the opportunity to grow in it. You can't yeah. grow in something you're not aware that you need to work on. So, you know, you don't necessarily always just want to be looking for feedback on how crappy of a person you are. That's a little bit demoralizing, but, but it it is helpful to get, to, to look back in a longer period of time, because I think, especially as we look ahead to busy season, it's so easy to get all the way down into the weeds, all the way into like, what's the fire that's in front of me today and Mm. kind of taking some time to go, how has this year been for us? How has this year been for our company, for our team, for us as individuals and for us as leaders, you know, and then what, what are we hoping for in the coming year? So yeah, this year looked like, uh, like a lot. Mm -hmm. I stand by it. It's the right. Yeah. It's a good answer. So for this year, let's start positive. (laughs) What, what are you proud of? What, what do you feel like we achieved that feels like a huge win? Yeah, there are several things I feel like we achieved in this year. We are more prepared for year end than we ever have been before. We have seen Mm -hmm. several team members grow and develop and and grow into new roles. Mm -hmm. We had some of the best employee annual reviews this summer. If you even remember this summer, uh, (laughs) that was six months ago, Anna, (laughs) ages ago, you know, but so many of the conversations that we had, and I'm sure we'll do an episode about how we do employee reviews. 
But we're, when we got to talking about growth areas and even now in this season where we're not even necessarily really talking about growth areas, but there are areas of need or opportunity, we're getting so much input of where we imagine team members growing is actually what Mm -hmm. they're interested in and aligned with their desired growth path. And so it's so fun to have those conversations to go, hey, we could imagine you maybe in this role, would that be interesting to you? And they were like, that was kind of what I was hoping for and maybe going to ask about. So (laughs) I'm really proud of the work that we've done to make sure that we know our team, that we're really interested in them as individuals, that we're paying attention to the potential that they have, and that at the right times and as we have needs, we're offering opportunities that really are a good fit on both sides. So that That's something I'm, I'm particularly proud of. We also built out a leadership team this year, and I can mm-hmm. feel the difference of having monthly, high-level collaborative meetings about how we're doing as a company and where we're heading. So I, I think some of those are, are definitely things that that stick out in this last year. What are you proud of? Honestly, I think the first thing that comes to my mind is actually people-oriented too. Shocking, I know. <laughs> I think I'm really proud of bringing in some really high-quality team members this last year. And and the part of that that I'm proud of, or the parts of that that I'm proud of, one, I'm really proud of the improvements that we've made to our hiring process in general and the way that we do things, because I think the success metrics have gotten so much better this year that indicate that the clarity is there, that the that we're being picky in the right ways, that like we're giving a lot of feedback very early and course correcting for issues really early. So there's so many good signs about like just our hiring process in general. But in terms of the individuals that we've hired, one of the things that I really like about a few of our newer team members is I actually think that some of them are like smarter or better at their roles than anyone we've had in that role before, including and especially me. So just being able to bring in people who are smarter than me or better than me at things like galvanizing or things like um, being able to like even listen with an intention to understand like the HR person that we have on our team right now is so good at like that heart communication in a way that I'm like just so impressed by. And yeah, so I, I think that's, that's what comes to mind. Um, first and foremost, is just bringing in incredible people who are going to make this a great company and continue building on the foundation that we've built, but also will bring their own spin to it and will make it a different company because they are different than you or I, which is really fun and also dynamic and interesting. Yeah. I I love that because I, I feel very similarly. I think some of the areas where we've struggled in the past, kind of struggled to feel like we were making progress were, you know, things I think everyone can relate to. If you have, you know, a great person, but they're in the wrong seat, or you don't have the right person with the right skill set, and you just kind of keep running up against your own capacity for moving things forward, because it's going to pull you into either zones that aren't really where you're uniquely gifted, or into the kind of work that might be a lot more draining to you than the kind of work that's going to bring joy and energy. And then you find that person that is sharp and is eager and is, you know, skilled at that thing. And also that thing brings them joy and energy and they Mm -hmm. want to do the kind of work that is especially draining to you. It's like, oh my gosh, are we doing it? I think we might be (laughs) doing it. And just the progress that we've been able to make in this last year in in our onboarding process for new clients, in our Mm -hmm. onboarding process for new team members. Like there are so many things that are so much better in our hiring process. Like they're so much better because we have people that can focus on those things and people that are skilled in those areas to come in with fresh eyes and really improve it. And so I think mm-hmm. process is, well, of course, this will speak to you. Besides people, it's process would be your high yes. number too. <laughs> yeah. That's some achievements this year. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'll also add, I think I'm also really proud of the ways that we've wrestled our ego in some of that delegation. Like 
it is not easy to bring someone in who is better at stuff than you are and delegate some of the work that you used to be responsible for to them and watch them do it better than you ever did. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. can think of so many examples of that this year. And I've had to wrestle with my ego around it or feeling like, what does even productivity mean for me? Like, how can I know that I'm adding value? And so I've had to kind of reorient what success in my day or in my week looks like. And that's been a challenge, but I feel proud that that's even something we care about doing because it means that someone on our team who's great at something I'm not good at is going to thrive and be successful in their role. And I will deal with my emotions separately because those aren't actually about the person they're about me and so i feel really good about the amount of wrestling with ourselves and our ego that we did this year too because bringing in smart people is not only easy it is also challenging well and i think being aware of and wrestling with those feelings means that you won't inadvertently sabotage that person or limit their ability to succeed because you don't like the way that it makes you feel. And so if you're not mm -hmm. paying attention to that, it is so easy without even thinking about it to do things that are counterproductive to them, you know, growing and thriving and making things better for everyone because like it might not make you look awesome because you didn't do it as well as they now do. So yeah. it it is something to wrestle with for sure. And mm -hmm. and part of that wrestling is just to start just to even be aware of and be thinking about that there is something to wrestle with. So because right back to that, like being aware of blind spots, being aware of things then means we can wrestle with them. Whereas yeah. I think a lot of people you know, think it's going to be great to hire someone who's good at stuff and don't ever think about what they will have to deal with internally if they bring on someone mm -hmm. who's better than them as something they used to do, especially if it was something that you were like proud of being good at. If, if, it, if there is like really some ego attached to that thing, if it's something that you hated doing, it's usually not that challenging to be like, yeah, you're doing great. Keep doing that thing I hated doing. But if it's something you either were good at or were proud of, and then someone comes in and does it better than you, mm -hmm. yeah, you're you're going to want to be aware of yourself in that and yeah. make sure you're not inadvertently, you know, yeah, sabotaging them, like inadvertently De destroying their potential so that you don't feel any kind of way or diminishing their contribution. So I, yes. I have a really good example of this in, I mean, when we started working together, I had a vision of regular calculations around profitability and, and like being able to actually look at profitability numbers for our clients in terms of time and percentages and getting all this data that's like really functional for us to make like smart business decisions. That never happened with me in an ops manager role. Like that, that sounded like a pipe dream. We brought in an operations person who has been able to create a system for doing that and execute it way better than I even envisioned. And I'm very glad for our company and I am so mad at myself for not doing it already. And also that's stupid. That's unreasonable. That's not, that's not real or like realistic. It's just ego. And so it doesn't actually matter. What matters is that we have the system now and it works really well. Our team reports when they're over their budgets, we know when stuff is going off the rails before it's even way off. Like it's partially off. It's, it's just such a better system than I even imagined. And it doesn't matter who thought of it. It doesn't matter matter who built it. It doesn't matter any of those things. What matters is that the goal of actually having that data was accomplished because we have a great team. So, and that kind of stuff happens all the time. I think, especially when you're the first iteration of a process, when someone comes in and rips it to shreds, it's like, oh, but that was, that was my baby. something from nothing <laughs> like, that existed. And that was like really impressive, comparatively speaking. But also if the goal is for everyone to be impressed by me, I'm in the wrong job. <laughs> like that's never going to happen. So if the goal I'm impressed is by you, else, Jill, I, I hope. <laughs> Uh, uh, thank you. I think 
<laughs> it's also that just makes me feel like now I just need my ego stroked constantly for, for me to feel like I'm doing anything meaningful at all. So hope you're, you're looking smart forward to that enough. in your whole you're pretty job. Enough. Gosh, Gosh darn it, people, people like you. you. <laughs> no, but I think I think that's real, and and I think I. I it's definitely something I've wrestled with because it feels really good when people are impressed with you. It feels yeah. really good to swoop in and save the day and be the hero of totally. the story. But if we're really leaning into leadership that is moving into the role of being the guide and it's more important that we are fostering heroes and we're mm -hmm. guiding them to win and then we all are better because we have more contributors and particularly in these kinds of areas, we have contributors yeah. that have a narrower focus so they can go deeper on solving these problems. Whereas when you're, when you have multiple roles, when you have a, a lot of different focuses, when you're managing a lot of things, it's very hard to go deep and like effective in one particular area. And so, you know, slimming that down, I, th I think is also a, a big achievement in this year of really thinking about how many roles could somebody have and be mm -hmm. really effective in them? How many roles can I have and be effective in them? Probably less than I do. <laughs> than you currently have. But also I will say I got feedback last week from one of our team members who said, I really enjoy having different kinds of work. It helps me balance my week so much better. And so more than one, fewer than four. <laughs> I feel right. like we've really honed in and kind of like, and it depends on the person too, but like, it's not, I don't think it's, I think it will rarely be one and that one will have to have some sort of dynamic work in it. It can't just be one role where you're doing the exact same thing every single month because I don't think anything works like that. Yeah. Most people would get bored kind of yeah. doing that. Yeah. But then too many and it's overwhelming. And so yeah. really thinking about in this year, what is the sweet spot? What is the optimal mm -hmm. people getting to try different things, getting to learn and grow and challenge themselves, but not having so many disparate focuses that nothing becomes an expertise. Nothing gets like the kind of attention that it deserves. And yeah, that's something we'll continue to wrestle with. So maybe that kind of takes us right into our next question of what worked well or didn't work well this year. I, th mm -hmm. I think that I think that's, that's a big one is really wrestling with an optimal number of different kinds of focuses that a person can do. And uh, so much of that is going to be a conversation and is going to be, uh, well, let's try it and see, you know, mm -hmm. let's try yeah. an opportunity and see how it goes and be, and hold it loosely and be open to the fact that not every role is going to be a fit for everyone. Not everyone mm -hmm. is going to want to stay in any particular role for a, a huge length of time. And so then, you know, as individuals, we want to give opportunities as a company, we want to be cognizant of what the trade-offs of that are. There's a huge cost mm -hmm. to just letting a bunch of people trying a, a bunch of things. Yeah. But then there's a huge cost of not letting anyone try anything because they will learn what they could learn and then leave. And so there's, there's trade-offs on both sides. And so kind of what's a healthy balance between allowing for opportunities, allowing for people to, you know, test the waters and try things, but also not just everyone gets, you know, half of their time is training time. And I guess we'll do client work when it fits, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> there's, there's definitely a, a balance to those things. What are some other yeah. things that, that worked or, or didn't work in this last year? This is going to sound so dumb, but I think this podcast, it was so <laughs> good. Like, honestly, like I, I think the rhythm of it was really good for both of us, but for me in particular. And I think even just working on my ability to communicate ideas effectively has been so helpful. Like it's, it's a pretty, you know, enjoyable way to work on that kind of a skill that doesn't necessarily come naturally. So I think this has been so great. And I think this year has been such a and get foundation building year for this to become what we imagine it to be. And I think we don't even know what it'll be. So that that is one thing that I think worked really, really well this year. What else? I mean, not to brag, but yeah, this podcast super great. <laughs> no, <Crushing it. laughs> no, no, I think like for me, like, you know, who knows how well it's doing in the world or whatever. I mean, so no, but I, I also think just 
it gives us a chance to talk about some of the things that we're learning. And I think sometimes we learn things in real time. Well, I think most of the time we learn things in real time by talking about them. So mm-hmm. kind of forcing us to have some of these conversations, not that anyone needs yeah. to force us. We definitely have these conversations. <laughs> we will anyway. Not <laughs> we're just recording them now. <laughs> yeah. 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 But also allowing other people the benefit of hearing the way that we wrestle with things or the way that we think about things or, or how we challenge the mindsets that are so common in the industry or even just common in the world of work, not even necessarily in the world of accounting. I, so I would agree. I think that doing it in this cadence makes it feel sustainable and enjoyable. We weren't like, let's record five times a week and this is going to be our new job. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Terrible. I might die. let's do this in a way that works for us. So we keep doing it so that it's a thing that we don't record two episodes of and then stop, which happens to a lot of podcasts. Let's, you know, figure out how this fits with the other things, which I think is also kind of part of our mantra and Mm -hmm. the way that we think about everything is how can it be sustainable? How can Mm -hmm. we only agree to things that we can in fact agree to? And I, in this season in particular, where, you know, some things are shifting around, some things are coming back to my plate that, that weren't on my plate for a season. I'm really thinking about, okay, if I'm feeling overwhelmed, it, is it, is that real? And is it because I said yes to things that I should have said no to? Is, mm-hmm. is the overwhelm happening to me and I have no agency in it? Or is it an indication that I need to reprioritize. I might need to set some different boundaries. I might need to set some different expectations of myself to say, mm-hmm. here's when I can help with that, but it's not right now, or that this is not going to be a priority. So you might need to solve it yourself, or it might need to hold, or, you know, because I do think, you know, as an obliger, I just want everyone to be happy with me all the time. But one of those people I want to be happy with me is me and future Mm -hmm. me in particular. And so if she's looking back and going, why'd you say yes to all this? Now, Mm -hmm. now we're working all the time and you could have just said no then, and then we wouldn't be doing this. So I'm really thinking about that in, in this, in this holiday season in particular. Yeah. Uh, Well, I think, you know, that brings up a good point. I think one of our goals this last year was to do fewer things ourselves and to decrease the amount of areas that we are owning in particular, like influencing, sure, obviously CEO, COO, like that makes sense. But in terms of like ownership or the, or driving it forward. And I feel like we have made really good strides toward that. And it has not manifested in fewer roles because it is really hard to do. When you care a lot, when you care a lot about how things are done, when you want it to be done as close to excellent or perfect as it can be, and there are varying degrees of skill and care and time and all kinds of things with the people that are responsible for that, it makes it hard to pass stuff off. And and I don't think it's necessarily our inability to delegate as much as, yeah, just the reality that like turnover is real of team members, like just for all kinds of reasons. And so when that happens, if it's not something that we could have planned ahead for, then we are reacting to it. And when we react, we typically take on that responsibility ourselves. So I think that is definitely something that I am again, hoping for, for next year. Yeah. Well, that was actually some pushback that I got from uh, from a team member. So I think this is really helpful growth in this last year that I get pushback from team members on on things I'm saying uh, in particular of, okay, yeah, I, I can help in all these things because we need to move things around. And, and her just going, so I'm looking at the list of things that you said you would put on your plate. And I'm just wondering if that is actually what needs to happen, whether you do need to be the one to own those things. And and it was just such a good reminder that we're not in the place that we used to be. We're not mm-hmm. in the place where there isn't coverage, there isn't backup. Like we really have built systems and process and developed people to where, you know, 
the only solution, if anything goes wrong, is me, is just not the case anymore. It is for some mm -hmm. things, you know, yeah. and yeah. that's only for now. And I think even mm -hmm. just having that mindset of like, you know, when something happens, you know, the prior mindset was, okay, then I'm going to fill in all the gaps. Mm -hmm. And now the mindset is, do I need to, do I need to do this or could someone else? And is it for now? And if mm -hmm. it's only for now, how can we also set things up? so that we're getting to that not being the case as soon as possible. So even the yes. way that we do it now, how can that be setting our future selves up so that this isn't something that I own forever? And that pushback was so helpful in just the way that I would, that I tend to knee jerk when anything mm -hmm. goes wrong. I'm like, I'll fix it. I'm going to handle yeah. it. Buck stops yeah. here. And it's like, does it still though? I don't know. Yeah. Well, and I think that shift also is represented in how people respond. I think I think that understanding of like what ought to be when something happens unexpectedly, when a responsibility gets added to the company or, you know, things happen all the time. And how how we respond to it is going to be a reaction most of the time if it involves losing a team member for health reasons or any other purposes. But the assumption that it's you continuing means it will always be assumed it's you. Whereas when you reshift that perspective to it is me for now, but I need this to be transferable well as soon as possible, it creates the understanding across the entire company, if you're being expressive about it, obviously, but it, it creates that understanding. And so people are much more open and willing to take ownership of things when they see an opportunity. So for example, I mean, I think you just took back some responsibilities that have some administrative functions attached to them. And one of our team members is a little under capacity right now and offered to help with some of that. She saw that there was a gap and you're filling it. And so like, maybe there's some help that I can give that will make that a little bit less of a burden for you. And I think when we assume it's us, the assumption for everyone is that it's us. When we don't assume it's us, everyone will look at that as a problem we're all responsible for solving, not just the CEO. Yes. And and I think in in this last year, the vision that we cast in particular was that you and I me, but, but both of us really are less essential and more empowering. I think even just that kind of casting the vision of, I don't want to be so critical to everything in the business that everyone needs to check with me and ask for permission. I want to be empowering others to be able to own what they're responsible for and get the support that they need, but only the support that they need. And mm -hmm. I, I could feel a shift in that of, of almost this like, Oh, we kind of thought you wanted it that way. Like we were doing this because we thought that's how you wanted it. Like if you want us to just handle it, like we can just handle it and not in a, I'm going to throw it over the fence. You're going to handle it and I'm going to hope for the best, but in a, no. right. It's, it's not a, you know, delegation through abdication. It's mm -hmm. empowering and equipping you to be able to handle things because you understand our values, you understand the way that we behave, you understand the way that we would do things, and you know when to ask for help or when to raise the flag, but you also know what you can make effective decisions about. And so mm -hmm. I think we had to cast that vision first before mm -hmm. we've started to see the shift in, and even other team members being like, how could we equip and empower other people to learn things so that if something changed in the future, you wouldn't be the backup for anything, you know, mm -hmm. and seeing other people tell me that is like, what's happening? Um, it's awesome. It also feels so strange to have, I mean, I can imagine, but it, it, it feels so strange to see people who have worked at a company who are employees think about things in a different way just because you're framing it differently like I, it's it this sounds over oversimplified but like just shifting your verbiage or the way you're framing 
problems to solve collectively makes a difference for how people receive that information and what they do with it. And so like that vision casting, I don't think we can quite quantify how essential it is. And again, that means that all of the planning and stuff that we have to do every year can't get pushed. So you can't have so many roles that that's the thing that gets pushed. And so there, there's more work to do. There probably always will be in that vein. But I, I am really proud of the way that the team has responded to that vision cast. Well, and I think this dovetails into uh, one of our questions about what you've personally been learning or growing mm -hmm. in this year. And I think that has been that vision casting for me was because I was not effectively ordering the priorities of my life. Mm. I think it was, you know, I, I think we talk a lot about this idea of like work-life balance and, and how to, you know, have the balance between them. And I think that's the wrong perspective because it makes it seem like work is equivalent to everything else in your life. And, and they should kind of be the exact same priority work and then everything else in your life, they're, they're at kind of the same level. And, and this year I've really been learning that I want to have a balanced life and work is a component of that. And family is a component of that. That is actually more important to me than work. And, and so having the CEO of a company say, my family is more important to me than work gives everyone else permission to have that priority order which seems like a thing you're not allowed to say at work. Yeah. Yeah. And actually do it though. Like yes. it's not just say it because everyone could say that. Everyone knows the right answer. It's actually putting your money where your mouth is and taking time off, even though right. you're the CEO, you know? Yeah. Well, I think it, it's taking time off, but also really focusing in on how can I – have work in its proper place in my life, have it not be a thing that I obsess about all the time or that I give 100% of the best of me to it. And then everyone else in my life gets whatever is left over. And mm -hmm. that is incredibly challenging when you are running your own company, whether you're running it as a company of one or 10 or 100 or however many you want to go beyond that. It's really challenging to not just carry it around with you all the mm. time, to have it not be the thing you think about, you know, the first thing when you wake up and the last thing when you go to bed and the thing that you talk about all the time, primarily if you happen to be uh, of a bend like we are, where you love learning and growing. And so there's also this kind of like, and then I'm learning this about business. And then here's this other challenge in business. And the, like when it becomes like your hobby and your obsession and your Thing. It's so easy for it to take up not just like time, but like space, like rent space in your head, yes. space in your heart and what you care about and what you think about. And so I think in this year, maybe more than any other before, just going, I can't behave that way and have a balanced life. This is mm -hmm. taking up more of me than it ought to. And the hilarious part about that is when I realized it and started casting this vision for me being less essential and more empowering, it's incredibly good for a crew, which is yes. so stupid. It's like, yes. oh, it actually would have been way better for the company for me to have figured this out sooner and stopped acting so essential because other people would have had more opportunities to get equipped and empowered and, and for us to build this in a way that's more sustainable and less reliant on me. And so some of that was this like, you know, is some of that inevitable in growing a firm probably surely, totally. uh, especially yeah. if you're like, if you really care about doing it well, uh, which we obsessively do <laughs> that, then it, then maybe there's some amount of it that's natural, but it was just so funny to have every time at which I have this, you know, existential crisis, of like, what am I even doing with my life? We end every up summer. making every summer you've, you've got Jill's got my uh, clock on this. <laughs> which makes 
sense, right? If it you totally have kids, it's like, oh, yeah. that's when they're not do- – that's when you stop all the normal routines. That's when your kids are around. You know, that's when, you know, you might be going on vacation or feeling like maybe you can't go on vacation. You know, that's the time where, you know, it's kind of this interesting season in between the regular rhythms of things. So, yeah, every summer when I have this existential crisis, we end up making decisions that are incredibly good for the company and they move us forward. Mm -hmm. Like like crew leads was the summer before. And then this summer casting this vision and just watching so many more of our team members grow because I got out of their way. I Mm. moved into being more of the guide and less of the hero. So I think for me, that, that is definitely something I've been personally learning and growing in, in this, in this year. Yeah. I think that is some of the best growing that you can do as a leader in that, like you are modeling it for everyone in a way that feels aspirational to most people. (laughs) Like it's, it feels aspirational to work less as a CEO. It feels aspirational to choose your family over the company that you've built, but it isn't, it is functional and it's a choice and choosing to put things in their right order is such a huge part of approaching life on purpose. And if you don't, I mean, It's easy to get to a point where you're doing things reactive. I mean, it's the thing we talk about all the time. You're reacting to life and then whatever's most in front of you or feels most urgent or feels most important is the thing that gets your attention. And it's almost never going to be your family. No, they're not going to be the squeaky wheel. (laughs) I feel like it's like when you have a newborn. So Mm -hmm. we've joked a lot about a crew being my third baby. Mm -hmm. And when you have a newborn, it is exactly right to respond to any, any time they cry that like they're, they can't be wrong in that they're crying because there's some kind of legitimate need that you are responsible for solving because that is part of the caring that you do for them. But then when they get to maybe about nine months old or so, maybe even earlier than that, then they cry for reasons that aren't actually always immediate needs. And mm-hmm. and as they move into from being an infant that's 100% dependent on you into being a toddler, there are going to be times where they cry and you don't respond to it. There are going to be times where them crying isn't right. There are going to be times where they need to struggle with things because that's important for their growth. And you immediately swooping in to fix the problem is actually not good for them anymore. And I feel like it just took me a long time to realize that a crew wasn't an infant anymore. And I mm. actually needed to stop smothering it as, as its yeah. mother and, and give it the opportunity to sometimes struggle a bit, sometimes mm-hmm. let other people make mistakes and figure out how to solve them, you know, to, okay. to let some of that go, not in an, I don't care way, not in a, you know, like, you're just going to cry in the corner and like, I'm going to, I'm going to ignore you. (laughs) I don't know. Drinking a glass of wine in the kitchen, you know, but, but you know, like, no, like you're going to need to struggle to learn how to tie your own shoes. Like, and if I just Mm -hmm. tie them for you, you're never going to learn how to tie them. And then you're going to be a kid that always has to have Velcro shoes. And like, at some point, maybe that's not super cool. So it, it was, it's, you know, I, I guess everything equates to mothering with me, but, but it really was this, like, actually to be a good mom at some point you have to fail at being a mom because yeah. your kids need to learn how to struggle and be equipped and grow on their own without you fixing the problems for them. So I think mm-hmm. that was part of this growth for me. That is, you know, I had not, thought of that second piece before. I think the idea that like, you know, you have to allow a toddler to literally fall if they're going to learn how to walk. If they can't fall because you're holding them up constantly, they literally cannot learn to walk. And so that opportunity for failure, I think is really essential. But the piece of it that I don't think I realized was in the imperfection of, you know, guiding a company, 
more is gained than imperfection. So if if we're if you're the perfect leader, if you're the perfect CEO, we're going to have a really hard time identifying problems in the company to solve or you know, working on things and making them better. So like the imperfection of leadership is actually one of the essential parts of continuous improvement. Yes. Does that sound right? Yes, because we've experienced this so many times in things like our onboarding new clients or or other things where mm-hmm. it's like, well, I know what we need to do, so I'll just kind of paper over the gaps. And then yes. we don't realize that there are gaps. So if I'm not there to do it, it's going to fall apart. And so one of the things we cast the vision for in this year is let's build an onboarding process that if I was out of the office and Joe was out of the office, we get 100% onboard a new client and, and you know, everyone would know what they needed to do and could do it. And, you know, that's still in progress for sure. But we have made progress in that direction because we cast that vision of being non-essential. And so I think that is, yeah, it's something every technician turned business owner has to wrestle with because you probably know how to do some of the things that you'll need to create process for other people to be able to do without you. But it feels really good to swoop in and like, well, I know how to do that. So I'll help you out. And I just fixed it. But it's it's not sustainable. All you have to do is uh, imagine that that's the case and you're on vacation. Imagine mm-hmm. that's the case and it's, you know, past 6 p.m. when you're clocked off for the day. Like how resentful do you become when that – I'll swoop in and save the day is now essential in a suboptimal time. It may feel good at 9.45 on a Thursday morning, but does it feel great at like 7 p.m. on a Thursday night? (laughs) Not so much. So like I think even doing the thought experiment of like what would this feel like if I was this essential in a time when that was suboptimal, I don't want to, then it's probably going to eventually lead to resentment. (laughs) It's good to know. (laughs) Good to know now. All right. Opposite of resentment. What have you been grateful for? What's brought you joy Mm. in this year? Well, always this. I think one of the things that I've realized in the last few months is that you and I, in being spread more thin recently, have less time together to like talk about ideas. And because we're in such different focuses, we've had so much less overlap in even meeting topics. And so I feel like our partnership has been really good when we have time to think together, when we have time to talk together. And so even though distance has been a factor in that, and even though time has been a factor in that, I think we've done a pretty decent job of making sure that that time doesn't just get removed from the calendar altogether. We will have less when we're this busy, but we can't have none. So I think it's always going to be you and me at the top of that because I think it's lonely at the top of a company and it's so much less lonely when you get to work with someone that you enjoy, someone who is life-giving, someone who is supportive, someone who challenges you and makes you a better person. So I think first and foremost, it's that. Yeah. I, I think also stepping back Stepping back and and watching other people thrive has brought me so much joy this year. I have seen so many people on our team come to a point in their function where they are really expanding beyond what I even thought the role could be or even thought they could bring to that role. And I am so grateful to be able to have the position that I do where I get to watch people come into their own in a particular area. And and I think watching a few of our team members this year, our project manager in particular, it's been so much life-giving time spent with her, developing her, but also watching her develop herself, watching her think outside the box and watching her wrestle with ideas. It's just been so enjoyable. But I think I've experienced that across so many team members because I just have like a lot more purview than most people, but it's so nice to watch people thrive. I've been so lucky this year to watch so many people on our team do such an amazing job in their roles and and grow so much in them. Yeah. I I think Mm -hmm. that that is definitely the thing I'm probably the most grateful for. I've I've had a applicants ask in the kind of the final interview that I might ever be in what I like about 
working here? Which is the funny question <laughs> to get for me. Yeah. You know, it's like a normal question to ask, like, you know, the like HR, HR person. manager or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But it it's the it's the people. It's the people that I get to support. It's the people that that are growing that don't need my support. You know, it's yeah. that it's that I get to work with lovely people that that are all aiming in the direction of doing work well, of improving themselves, of being on the same team, of looking for ways that we can work well together. And, and that goes for clients as well. I, I still get to be in, in a few client meetings. It's been so fun and enjoyable to watch as you have conversations that wrestle with ideas and wrestle with ways of thinking about things. And when you're willing to, to share with openness and vulnerability, things that you're struggling with and things that you've learned and then watching them grow and getting to, to celebrate that, watching them struggle and, and getting to kind of be in that with them. Like I, I'm so grateful for the people that we work with. I think that is absolutely the most meaningful part of, of what we do. And, and it makes me feel all my feelings. So I'm trying to hold all that in. <laughs> I'll do that later. <laughs> yeah. I'll feel my feelings uh, after we hit up, but yeah. Anything else you're learning in this year, Jill? Yeah. I, I have been learning some very basic ideas that are very complicated to execute. <laughs> it's been it's been a very odd year of realizing, you know, a lot about boundaries, what's my responsibility and what's someone else's where my freedom ends where yours begins and so like I can do things and they might impact you, but also I'm not responsible for how you react or respond. And so like just being able to clarify some of the things that I can and can't do to take the company or take another person or take a relationship or whatever it is to the next level, I'm only part of that equation. So as simple as that sounds, actually being able to like rewire some of that in my mind to take less responsibility for the success or failure of other people to take more ownership over being clear but also holding people accountable if i was clear then then we're going to have a conversation about that actually having happened so i think the the dynamics that i've been able to kind of parse out in terms of responsibility and boundaries and just being able to be appropriately responsible for myself and for other people in, in ways that actually make sense for my function. Because I'm not in no way responsible for other people. I'm responsible first and foremost to my husband and, and my family. And secondly, to like my team, but they are important. And I am responsible for caring for them. I am not responsible for making them successful. I'm not responsible for making them show up in a certain way. Like there are so many things that I think I used to try to make happen. And I'm just realizing that there are two parts of every scenario. And so like, I will do my part. I will make things clear. I will remind you, I will be as kind and gracious as possible. And also it is up to you to get yourself to where we're going or it's up to me to have that conversation about what needs to happen. And maybe it's that we don't work together. Or maybe it's that we just need to like reiterate our intention. But I, for me, I, a lot of the ideas around what I can and can't take responsibility for and what I can and can't influence or affect has been super helpful for me in management. And as my role has shifted into more, um, you know, developing other people and letting other people do the doing and wrestling with some of the feelings around that, that also helps with that too, because watching other people thrive is my job, helping them get to where we're going, helping them understand the vision that's being cast and how to achieve it. Like all of that stuff is the work. And it's really hard to reorient your brain around that being productivity. But I think the combination of my learning in that way has been super helpful in just being able to approach work with the balance that you were talking about of like, yeah, I get to leave at the end of a day and it doesn't mean that I don't care if I stop thinking about it. It means that I am on purpose choosing to think about work when I'm working and when it makes sense to think about. And I'm on purpose choosing to be present in the other parts of my life when work isn't the most important thing. And that, that has been a tough learning curve, but also a really good one. Yeah. I think that 
kind of aligns with something we've talked about before, which is that it is our responsibility to create the optimal conditions under which someone could be successful, Mm -hmm. but it's their responsibility to in fact be be. successful. (laughs) Like we want to foster an environment where that is absolutely possible, where we are clear and we are kind and we are, you know, caring personally and challenging directly. We're doing the things that make it so that succeeding, we're not putting up any barriers for someone to be successful, but whether or not they are successful is up to them. And so kind of in that, because everything's about being a mom, kind of in that similar vein of like, it is my job to, to guide and support and, and do, you know, what I can to make it possible for my kids to be successful in the world. They have to go do that. Mm -hmm. And I think when we conflate those roles, when we conflate whose responsibility it is, we're actually harming rather than helping. Mm. We're hindering growth rather than fostering it. But that's such a hard lesson to learn because yes. helping sounds helpful. Yeah. Like- <laughs> yeah. Well, and letting someone stumble feels mean. Yes. It feels mean. And it is kind. It's not nice. If we were just interested in being nice to our team, we would solve all kinds of things for them but they would never know how to solve that for themselves. So we choose kind, and that is a very different orientation to learning. It means that you will fall. It means that right. we will fall. Like everyone on our team falls short and, and stumbles and makes mistakes and owns them. That's the expectation. That's the bare minimum of working here. Like that, that, that I am also really proud of. Like we have a team of people who hold themselves responsible to the expectations that we've made clear. That is incredible. (laughs) Yes. And as Bruce Wayne's dad said in Batman Begins, why do we fall, Bruce? So that we can learn how to pick ourselves back up. And if we pick people up, we are robbing them of the opportunity to learn how to pick themselves up and dust themselves off and try it again. And so it, it is nice, not kind to conflate those roles, but that is such a thing that you have to wrestle with. I think, uh, you know, particularly as women, but I think, you know, just anyone who has that kind of bend of like wanting to see others succeed, like I'm rooting for you, but I need to be rooting for you, not doing it for you. Like that's not the same thing. So yeah, yeah, I, I think, I think that is something, something we wrestle with because we want our team to be successful. We're like, mm-hmm. we want we want everyone to be successful. We want our clients to be successful. And mm-hmm. I think when we conflate what's our responsibility and their responsibility, we get into that same, that same conundrum of like, but it is your business. It's not my mm-hmm. responsibility to run it for you. I'm rooting for you to be successful, but I can't come run your business for you. Otherwise, yes. if it was successful, it would be my win. It yeah, wouldn't and I'm be the your win. Then. Yes. Yes, absolutely. That's one of the things that I think we do a good job of is creating a framework for understanding who the priority is in that scenario. So for example, for our account managers who connect directly with clients, the client of the, or the hero of the story is the client. But for our lead bookkeepers who don't interact with clients, they interact with our bookkeepers, then they're developing the team, which means that their hero is the team. Their hero are the bookkeepers and account managers that they serve by equipping, which is a very different mindset than let me fix this. And I think I think that's exactly right. Like that distribution of responsibilities has been a very helpful way of just grounding ourselves in reality of what we can and can't control, what we can and can't do when we run into roadblocks. The reality is that we will always experience challenges. How we respond to them is the only thing we can control. Whether they happen is completely out of my control. I know they will. It would be naive to assume that they won't or to hope that they don't even. That's a bit naive. I will just expect them to come, expect them to be pretty unpredictable, and then I will know exactly who I want to be when those things happen and how I want to show up to resolve them in a way that I feel proud of at the end. That's hard. (laughs) You have to actually imagine it and you have to actually practice. 
And you can't, and, and I'm saying this so much for myself, but you cannot get bogged down in the reality that it is happening. It is so easy to get frustrated that we are here again or that, you know, I'm experiencing this problem again. It's really good data for us to just pause and say, okay, if I am experiencing something for another time, what can I do differently this time that will hopefully make it so that this is the last time? And maybe it won't be, but at least an iterative approach to that, like imagining how you can improve in small increments is a great way to approach that without it feeling like, oh, now I have to be a different person. (laughs) That's going to be impossible. Right. I, I'm yeah. barely good at being me. So I, can, I cannot <laughs> I'm not good at being me at all. <laughs> try to be somebody else. No, but yeah, I, I would be bad at that. <laughs> I think it I think it's, you know, being observant of patterns and, mm-hmm. and whether I'm contributing to this pattern rather totally. than just assuming it's happening to me. Mm-hmm. But I think it's also the way that we frame challenges, like, are yeah. we framing it as a roadblock or are we framing it as a speed bump? You mm, know, it, is this yeah. an obstacle in our way or is this an opportunity for us to look at something differently? And I don't mm. think that's just silver linings. You know, I don't no. think that's just every problem is an opportunity, you know, but I do think it's, yes. is every problem the end of the world? Because that's a choice no. of framing too. Totally. Can we frame it as as an opportunity to learn something in this scenario? It is... And maybe the something is, I don't like doing that and I'm going to stop. And yeah, because I'm going to make this pattern stop by just refusing to continue it. And maybe it's the way that I'm showing up in this pattern is contributing it to it being a pattern. Mm -hmm. And if I approach it differently, we might get to a different outcome. And maybe it's like, this is the pattern. How do we make the pattern? I feel like year end is this. Year end's going to come every year. How do we make it as less miserable as we possibly can? It's still going to be more. And unless we just stop doing bookkeeping, there's no out (laughs) of that pattern. But Mm -hmm. does it have to be a dumpster fire or could it be manageable and could we plan it that way? And so I think, you know, it's not just this like, this is an opportunity to learn and grow. It's like, no, but, you know, it's not the end of the world and how we choose to frame it will impact how we choose to respond to it. Yeah. I think when we get that stimuli of that discomfort, it's an opportunity to see what we can and can't impact in making that feeling stop. Because that's kind of the goal. Like, I don't want to feel this way. So how do I fix that? And typically we do that with the like shortest route possible. But if I think we've done a good job this year, but I think we can improve in it of just looking at it from a very realistic perspective and looking at the problem and saying, how might I be inadvertently contributing to this? Like even even year end, like take 1099s, for example, must we offer them to all clients? Absolutely not. So if we see a pattern that clients are consistently saying no, maybe we stop offering that to those clients in particular. Doesn't mean we need to change our entire January, our entire business model, or stop doing 1099s altogether. It's just thinking about things from a different vantage point because you had that like friction that caused that discomfort that alerted you to something that could be better. And maybe it can't, but at least looking at it gives you the opportunity to say, I'm doing this on purpose anyway, or I'm not on purpose anyway, (laughs) or despite. Yeah. Well, I think, I think this has been a lot of learning in this Uh last year and, and we'll probably just need to spend a different time to talk about where we're heading in the coming year, Mm -hmm. because I think it's been a really good conversation around all the stuff that we've realized. And and so much of that, I think we realize in doing this. And so maybe a good kind of note to wrap up on the like reflections of this year are that we don't do this alone. 
We don't learn Mm. alone. We don't grow alone. We need other people. We need other people pouring into us. We need other people that we're pouring into. It's that living with open hands that are open to Mm. give and to receive. And both of those are important because if we're not being poured into in any way, if we don't have people in our lives that the conversations we have with them are life-giving and that bring us joy and meaning, then we're going to end up empty. And we're going to end up, you know, being like a dry sponge that we're trying to squeeze water out of to help everyone else, but there's nothing left there, you know? Mm -hmm. And conversely, if we're doing all this growing, it's not solely to benefit us. It can't be. It can't be. It has to be like real genuine growth and progress and development has to be in service of others. It has to be to benefit those around you. And so we need other people that we get to pour into, that we get the Mm. privilege of sharing what we've learned in a way that hopefully is helpful and meaningful to them, that they get anything out of it. So in this last podcast of 2023, I just want to say, I hope that what we've learned and grown in and what we talk about, what we've shared has given you something that is of meaning, that something that's valuable that you can use that's been helpful for you because that's really the goal of why we have these conversations and press the record button is because we (laughs) just want what we've learned, what we've grown in, what we struggle with, what we're dealing with in our egos and feelings and all the things to to be of service to you. So thanks for joining us. You know, we we hope that you will keep tuning in as we share how we are building a firm worth building and we are growing as people worth listening to. <laughs> it's going to be good. <laughs>